Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and this week I'm joined by my colleague Jay Shabat to discuss Boeing's Good News, Bad News Week and five all-star growth airports this year. Thank you and enjoy. Hey, Jay, how are you doing today? Hi, Ned. Um, I'm good, although it is uh, raining and has been raining for uh, seeming, seemingly forever here in New Jersey. Same here in D.C. The remnants of Ian came through, and I swear they'll they'll never let up at the, the way it feels. And for any baseball fans, fans out there, I'm, I've been depressed all week about the Mets. But that's another story. We won't talk about that today. <gasps> good, good, because I don't know how much I can contribute to that. Instead of the Mets, let's talk about Boeing. And uh, they've had some good news, bad news in the last few days. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you can maybe talk about the details. But uh, the uh, yeah, so Boeing, of course, has had... Uh, they're ongoing, seeming, uh, yeah, we talk about the, the rain never ending. Another thing that never seems to end uh, are Boeing, Boeing's max, max problems. Um, so, of course, they, you know, had their double accident uh, a few years ago, and um, they are now trying to get certification for two variants of That's... their 737 MAX. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's, so the two remaining variants that aren't certified, the Dash 7 and the Dash 10, uh, between them, they have 500 plus firm orders from the likes of United, Southwest, Delta, WestJet, Virgin Australia, Goal, IAG. The list goes on. Um, so the unfortunate situation for Boeing is they are up against a year in deadline to um, with a, a waiver they have for some security features that the FAA passed in a law several years ago for all new aircraft. Now, that law gave them a waiver for the max, but... At the time, it was not expected that the MAX would be grounded for two years, and then there would be a global pandemic that would push back certification. So here we are. So the bad news is, is the FAA has indicated, uh, Reuters has reported, that they will not certify the planes until summer 2023. But like I mentioned, this deadline is uh, December 31st, 2022, which uh, creates a bit of trouble for Boeing, uh, especially considering customers are uh, adamant about commonality across their 737 cockpits. So any major safety changes would uh, end that commonality. But the good news for Boeing, and so I say good news, bad news week, is their Senator Wicker from Mississippi has introduced an amendment to a defense authorization bill that would extend that waiver to 2024. So that is the good news for Boeing, that they would have some more time to get those two max variants certified. Yeah, and, and Boeing's frustrations aside, you can imagine how distraught an airline like Southwest is, you know, they're really relying on these planes uh, to uh, be very instrumental in their network. And how do you plan for something if, you know, you don't know if this thing is going to be certified, you know, this month, next month, you know, it just keeps the, the, the goalposts keep moving, moving. So um, this starts to look like a problem for not just Boeing, but the entire airline industry. It's also contributing the supply constraints, um, which is which is very ironic. It's almost kind of odd to talk about uh, a supply shortage of aircraft right after a global pandemic. You know, two years where nobody was flying anywhere, and now suddenly it's just we have a like, very tight aircraft market, particularly for narrow bodies. Um, but that is in fact the case, and you know, this just sort of adds to the uh, you know to that lack of supply. Absolutely, airlines like Southwest were bidding on. Don't know the exact number, but upwards of 100 deliveries in 2023, many of those Dash 7s. And uh, 
if it's not certified till summer, they're definitely not going to hit that 100-ish uh, aircraft uh, mark. So that's a big issue for an airline like Southwest that we know has focused on trying to rebuild the depth they used to provide before the pandemic. And if they don't have the planes, they will have trouble getting back to that depth. Uh, and of course, it, it wreaks havoc for everyone else that has orders for the, the Dash 7 and Dash 10. But it's funny you mentioned the supply chain issues because you know, while Boeing is, is trying to get its last two MAX uh, variants certified, you know, Airbus is facing its own supply chain issues, especially with engines from, um, I know Pratt & Whitney has been uh, the center of, of some uh, coverage regarding getting engines to, to Airbus, especially as Airbus looks to ramp up production of the A320 family. So it's really across the board. When, when you talk to airlines and lessers, you know, they're feeling pressure from both manufacturers. And, and like you said, it's a funny place to be when you, you know, demand for aircraft was so low during the pandemic and now it's so hard to get back. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah. Airbus will tell you the same thing. You know, if you really, if you want a an aircraft, it's you want an A three twenty. It's gonna it's gonna be a while because they're facing a lot of these same supply issues as well as you said. Now, there's some you know there's there's seems to be some relief on the sort of broader supply chain question in the world. I mean, things are maybe loosening up a bit, but it's you know not in any kind of meaningful way where you know these air, aircraft obviously it's they, you don't build them overnight. So um, it's a problem that seems like it's going to be with us for a while. Absolutely. And it's so one of the other pieces of good news that Boeing had, uh, not a surprise really to anyone, is WestJet ordered a bunch of additional maxes at the end of last week, WestJet being already a mostly 737 operator. But it was interesting in the release that came out is they did not provide a date for when those planes would start arriving. And guess what? Those planes are dash 10s which are not certified. So it's it's clearly they're they're sort of riding around uh, providing a timeline because they just don't know. Boeing doesn't know and WestJet doesn't know when those planes are going to start arriving. Yeah, a lot of frustrating uncertainty. Now, one sort of it, this does underscore the important point that these planes are very much in demand. I mean, there was maybe a you know brief moment after the, you know, the the tragic accidents a couple of years ago where, you know, people question, well, would the people really going to want to, airlines going to want to fly this plane again? Would anybody, you know, would passengers want to get on it? I mean, the fact of the matter is these are, you know, excellent aircraft from an economic perspective and, you know, don't believe me, just believe carriers like WestJet who continue to order them. Absolutely. And, you know, when I, I spoke to Madhu about this last year, but in my reporting, you know, airlines have seen no booking away from the max. Of course, they don't know passengers see it and book another flight, but there's been no switches the last minute and stuff. And anecdotally, I like to say is that my husband flew on a max uh, like six months ago and didn't even know. He was like, I was like what kind of plane are you on? And he was like, uh, a plane. And yeah, I think most passengers are, are like my husband and it's just a plane that gets them from the A to B. It had two wings, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, I hope it did, but yes, yes, it had two wings. Yeah, you're right. I mean, people. I the most people don't even pay attention to to that. Stuff. They don't. They don't know what aircraft they're on, or it's only a uh, mild, you know, trivial type matter. So yeah, it's, I I don't think that's an issue. All right. Absolutely. Well, with that, we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. Welcome back. Now, Jay, you wrote an interesting story in the issue of Airline Weekly this week looking at uh, five sort of all-star markets that are seeing some stupendous growth around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so I took a look in um, uh, the DO by Serium database, and uh, I, I like to every every now and then kind of run what are the markets, uh, airports in the world that are seeing kind of the most year-over-year growth, and you know, conversely, which ones are are down the most. And so, just looking at Q4, uh, a, f- a few that stand out are um, well, Cancun for one is up something like forty percent from. Q, Q, this Q4 versus Q4 of 2019. So we're looking even before the pandemic. Um, wow. And then you have some other interesting, yeah. For so I mean that the situation there and the you know the the story that you referred to kind of goes in a little more detail. But it's just a matter of you know, well for one, for one thing, the, um, the Mexican market kind of never really uh, had too many restrictions, so it kind of maintained. Um, a rather busy pace even during the pandemic. And And I'd like to just uh, cut in there. You know, Mexico was one of those markets that Americans flocked to when a lot of other international countries were shut down for international trips. And I remember in 2021, a lot of airlines saying that demand to those near international markets, i.e. Mexico and the Caribbean, was at or above 2019 levels. And this was this was 2021 before a lot of most other places were back. So just an aside. And that's, yeah, and that was a 2021 story. Now that the pandemic is over, here we are in, you know, late 2022, and still, like, everybody's flocking to Cancun. It's just that, and, and not just international. So international is up a lot, but domestic is pretty much up by the same degree. I mean, it's, it's there's a lot of Mexicans themselves that are taking vacations to, to Cancun. So very, uh, you know, it's a hopping market, as you might say. And then, you know, another one we looked at is Austin, Texas, which, you know, every... <laughs> If you go like at any any point in American history, there's always kind of one or two cities that are, you know, just like booming. You know, you go back into the 1850s and it was like Chicago and, you know, the 1980s, it was Los Angeles. And 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 right now, um, kind of that city is is Austin, Texas. I mean, just the growth there is phenomenal, the phenomenon, phenomenal, excuse me, the economic growth, the population growth uh, and that unsurprisingly, the traffic growth as well. And you can yes. see it in there. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, you know, in Austin, I was having a conversation earlier today about all these Texas markets that are doing so well. There's, you know, Dallas is doing great and Houston is doing great. And, uh, you know, we were talking about whether Austin might one day become a hub like Dallas and Houston. And the answer is different discussion. We'll hold that aside. The answer is probably no, because Dallas has better geography and, you know, Austin's still quite a bit smaller, and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, anything there's anyway, there's there's a lot to talk about with Austin. There's a lot going on there. Absolutely. No, the funny you bring up the hub. I was going to ask you about that. And um, like like you said, I, I, I don't see it becoming a major hub in the near future. Never want to say never, though. Uh, my, my question, this is, you know, neither of us, I think, have looked at this is I'm curious what the size of Austin is today compared to the size of Dallas in 1981 when American first opened their hub in Dallas, you know. Um, and this is something I'll, I'll have to look at, but I'm just curious if, if Austin is nearing that size with the when the original hub opened but um yeah it's an interesting market because it has two dominant airlines really american and southwest that have that you wrote have expanded their lead in terms of seats and while other airlines are also growing these two airlines already have such a you know sizable lead on everyone else it's it's kind of hard to see someone else taking over the market is that that correct yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're, you know, it's it's an American and and uh and Southwest story. I mean, there's certainly, you know, spirit is in there or whatever, low cost carriers. Uh the um interesting thing about we were talking about Dallas, but Dallas does have better geography for connections, 
So Austin, a lot of Austin's international traffic, which is, you know, a lot, there's a lot of people that live in Austin that increasingly need to go abroad because the economy is growing, et cetera. Wealth is growing there. And conversely, there's a lot of people that from abroad that need to get to Austin. So a lot of that traffic now flows through Dallas and American is picking that up in Dallas. Um, however, what you're starting to see is some new Austin nonstop service, particularly from Europe. So we saw, I think Norwegian played around with it during, you know. A few of those it. started in 2019, I believe. I mean, I think uh, BA mm -hmm. from Heathrow went in actually it was probably a year or two before 2019. But like you said, there's been sizable growth, several other airlines coming in since since the pandemic. Right, right. Yeah. And Austin, yeah, just to be clear, I mean, Austin, this is not something that happened overnight. I mean, Austin, you can go back during the 2010s. Austin was, uh, I mean, I, yeah, that, that was it. Austin throughout the 2010s was definitely like one of these superstar growth, growth places as well. In fact, uh, yeah, I probably can pull up some numbers here. Like, uh, where is it in during the 2010s? Um, Austin's population grew 29%. <laughs> so just for reference, Chicago shrank 0.1%. <laughs> so you can see uh, this is, yeah, it's not not a news story. And but I think the U.S. Point, population grew like 2% or something. I mean, that's... 6.1 for the okay, U.S. Okay, 6 point. It's still an order of magnitude above for Austin, much faster than the national average. Much faster, much faster. I It's hard to find anyone that's even close. I mean, so like Orlando was another one that grew 22%. Um, so yeah, Austin is, I mean, that's certainly among the top 50. It's It was the fastest growing metro in the US during the 2010s. And that just like, you know, continued uh, with an exclamation point during the pandemic. Right, it'll be interesting to see what the 2020s look like. Of course, we're not gonna find that out for another decade or so. So, uh, Jay, what other markets, you you know, we've talked about Cancun and Austin, but you, you went around the world. Tell us a bit about some of the other markets that have remarkable growth. Yeah, so we, we looked at, um, we chose a couple, uh, and these are not necessarily like, you know, the top five. I mean, there's others that kind of snuck in there, but kind of five that are sort of representative of different parts of the world. So one was Paris Orly Airport, another was Riyadh, capital of Saudi Arabia. Um, we also looked at Ho Chi Minh City. Um, the uh, not the capital, but the largest airline market in Vietnam. And all those markets are um, quite a bit busier now than they were pre-pandemic for different reasons. I mean, in Paris, uh, a lot of that has to do with, you know, Air France is pushing a lot of capacity to their low-cost carrier Transavia. Um, and they were able to do that because of some changes in their pilot agreements. So that's, you know, kind of a very unique circumstance. Uh, Riyadh, there's a lot going on there with low cost carriers and whatnot. Um, so yeah, we can, you know, won't go through all the details, but, but I should take a second to mention that, uh, we looked at the, um, not, not for the feature story, but just on background here for the sake of our, uh, podcast listeners, we looked at the routes, some of the routes that are, or airports that are down the most in Q4. Yeah. 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 And, uh, Hong Kong is pretty much, you know, bottom of the list. And I don't think that would surprise anybody. Not at all, uh -huh. sadly, but not at all. Sadly, but not at all. And then right next to that, also sadly, but not surprising is, is Moscow. So those are your two. But then there's, you know, a lot, a lot of Asian, other big Asian markets like Tokyo and Seoul are on that kind of list of, you know, decliners as well. Um, Rome, because of Alitalia's downsizing. Uh, Detroit came up as well. 
And uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure what's going on there. I suspect that maybe Delta pulled capacity from two Asia. That's, that's a major Asia hub, so that's probably the answer. Yeah, and I, I if on the Detroit topic, I've I've talked to several you know various sources about this over the last six months, and Delta has some contractual obligations to uh, recover their coastal hubs uh, this year, and so they've been shifting some of their capacity into those coastal hubs. Um, my my understanding is there's there's no plan to to say dehub Detroit or anything, but both Detroit and Minneapolis St Paul are down uh, mostly because they've just you know, capacity with with the staffing issues we've talked about before is limited and they're just focusing that on rebuilding New York L A Seattle those places. Yeah, Detroit. So I'd venture to guess that Detroit is Delta's was you know normal times uh, Delta's second most profitable hub after Atlanta. I mean I know they've always done done well there. It's uh, some of that is, you know, the economy's good. You always make money flying, you know, shivering people down to Florida in the winters. And then also it is a, it's an excellent Asian hub too. So that, you know, that's kind of a sleep right now. And that's probably the reason why Detroit yeah. is, is long. For, it's a beautiful airport. I have to say, I, I got this, talking about shivering, I got the chance to fly through there on Delta in February and it was definitely lived up to its shivering uh, reputation. But I have to say they run a, a tight ship there and it was, you know, smooth operation even as the snow came down outside yeah yeah people uh seem to have good stuff. i think i did through i connected to china there uh through there once um so there you go you know just used it as an asian hub and yeah i remember being a very uh pretty convenient airport to to use yeah well the through line that i saw sorry going back to your, your piece the through line i saw at a lot of these airports is low-cost carriers especially internationally paris orly Riyadh, ho chi minh of course is is sort of everybody that flies there, but Vietnamese low-cost carriers also grew significantly as well. It seems you know, the recovery we're seeing in a lot of markets, these these LCCs, new LCCs, uh, pick up share and, and expand. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of these uh, LCCs do have a lot of planes on order as well. I mean, we talk about in Ho Chi Minh City, uh, Vietjet is, is the biggest LCC there, and they have, uh, you know, they've just hundreds of planes outstanding. And they recently confirmed um some of their orders i believe is for they have they have both both airbus and boeing narrowbodies on order but i believe they just confirmed one of their contracts but in any case uh your thesis i think is right on that lccs are driving a lot of this growth for sure well it'll be interesting to see how much of this continues in 2023 whether we'll see other markets emerge to the top or if these these sort of five all-stars will continue jay it's always a pleasure to have you here Yes, Ned, thank you. And listeners, if you need to reach either of us, you can reach myself at er at skiff.com or you can reach jay at js at skiff.com. Thank you again and have a great week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.